Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode 107 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. We have a very special repeat guest today. Repeat. You may have heard her on episode 50, where we discussed farmhouse ales. And since then, she has kind of become a big deal. Not going to give us any credit about it, but um, <laughs> yeah. she has become a certified taster and an author of How to Taste. So everyone, please welcome Mandy Neglich. Hi, Mandy. Hi, guys. Congrats on 100 episodes. It's been a long time since I've uh, talked to you. I know. It took us a long time to get here. So, it, And I really <laughs> think journey. Mandy, I think really think Mandy needs the round of applause because this has been such an incredible ride to kind of watch your progression and your journey through not only homebrewing, but you used to be beers with Mandy. Now you're drinks with Mandy <laughs> on Instagram. You're kind of a big deal, Mandy. So thank you so much for joining us. And it was such a pleasure to meet you in person. Like Shannon had mentioned, we had gone to your book tasting event at Sam Adams Brewery in Boston, (laughs) Massachusetts, a little while ago. And that was actually, Shannon, our first tasting event we've ever gone to when it comes to beer it is how cool i didn't know that yeah we've been Um, to chocolate and actually maybe just chocolate i always stick with the desserts so i think we've just been to chocolate yeah and little did you guys know shelly who did it with me from sam adams just recently passed the master cicerone exam so you were in the presence of a future master cicerone when we did that tasting wow i am geeking out right now because for those listeners stick around for the special giveaway we're going to be giving out at the end of this episode that will be on our Instagram. So make sure you stay tuned to that. That's really exciting. Congrats, Shelly. That's awesome. A big accomplishment for sure. Definitely. Well, for those who weren't at that event, Mandy, can you kind of tell us a little bit about not only your book, but on this whole tasting experience that you've kind of brought to basically the masses here with your tour? Yeah, definitely. Um, The tour has been really fun. To your point about tasting chocolate, I've done a few chocolate tasting events, a few cheese tasting events, whiskey, and of course, beer. The book is really focused on learning how to get in touch with your senses generally, so you can use everything you learn in it to taste anything. But of course, I came to tasting through beer, so it's the most special medium to me. If you read the intro to the book, you can read about me winning a gold at the National Homebrew Competition, which really got me on the path toward Cicerone and Advanced Cicerone and taking some tasting certifications and things like that. So it's all about getting in touch with your taste. We, I think we compared two different beers at that event, right? And did some mm-hmm. flavor mapping. We did. Um, yeah. So it was definitely learned a lot, tasted a lot. And it was such a great group too. We had some other, I think we had a homebrewing group there and everything. So it was very cool. Yeah. And I think our table had two people who were international and we're like, how did you find this event? And he's like, you know what? I looked up what things to do in the United States and boom. So Mandy, you're a big deal. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, it was it was on some cool, uh, I think it was on like Beer Bounds calendar listing and a couple beer magazines and things like that. So if you were in Boston and wanted to try beer at the time, you could definitely find it. Yeah, what I really liked about that event too was you spoke a little bit about your book, but you didn't expect that people read your whole book. Unlike me who never reads, but I had read your entire book by that point (laughs) and was geeking out. And I was like, holy crap, like this is a mind blower. And one of the things that you really did on the tasting event was one of the things you mentioned in your book of how to taste when it comes to the senses and really honing in on your senses where environment does play a big role in something you're about to consume. Can you talk about for the home brewers out there that are going to a brewery, 
kind of what you're talking about in the book about senses and environment. Yeah, definitely. And um, a little preview, I guess, but I'm giving a lecture on this at Craft Brewers Conference uh, oh, cool. in, in April. So yeah, it's all about uh, the, it's called The Taste of a Tap Room, How Environment Influences Beer Flavor, I believe is the name we landed on. But um, from the very beginning, you know, just as soon as you walk into a place, one of the first things you notice is music, for example, and the way that our taste signals travel from our tongue, they have a nerve that goes from the front of your tongue through your inner ear into your brain where your brain demystifies everything and tells you what you're tasting. So if you have a really loud background music or even, you know, I love going to a brewery with live music, but you have to just know that that corda timpani nerve, which is connecting your tongue to your brain is going to be jostled and things are going to be a little bit muted and they're not going to taste exactly the same as they might in a Cicerone exam situation where it's silent, that nerve isn't getting, getting moved at all. And you're, you're really focusing on what you're tasting. So I kind of say, if you're going to do like a really expensive bottle share or go on a really nice date and splurge on a bottle of wine or something like that, it might not be the best location if you notice that it's quite loud or music is quite loud, just because you're not going to get that full experience. There's other sensory interruptions happening there. There's also the color. There's a whole bunch of the book about color theory and how that interacts with our taste. For example, if you see things that are pink or red or the walls are pink or red, or even your coaster is pink or red, it will influence what you're tasting to be sweeter. And then if it's yellow or green, that same exact effect, but more sour. So just being in a pink ice cream shop is going to make every sample of ice cream you taste sweeter and then you walk out into the real world and that effect isn't there anymore. So your ice cream might taste just a little bit different. So we went through all of the senses like that. And um, yeah, the whole chapter three, I believe in the book is focused on all five of your senses and how they come together to create what we perceive as flavor. That's so interesting. I never thought about music, how much it can impact you in a brewery because while you're talking, I was thinking about the times that I've like really enjoyed beer in a brewery and I always thought I was like oh because I like the music that's playing but maybe it was just my senses subconsciously yeah, desensitizing yeah, you yeah. a little bit exactly making everything a little bit smoother a little yeah less intense mm-hmm. yeah I love live music at a brewery too but it's just not where I'll you know pay extra for my four-year age bourbon yeah. barrel stout <laughs> or something like that that's probably why when you go to like a bourbon or whiskey kind of like those lounges they're very mellow and more quiet than if you're you know you don't go out to get your Midori sour at <laughs> in a no, quiet exactly. place and if you yeah if you really if they're really trying to influence you they might be playing some jazz music in the mm-hmm. background which a bunch of studies have proven makes you like whatever you're tasting more it's just something about the way it massages that chord of timpani nerve that really makes it resonate with us and you just automatically like things just a little bit better if you're listening to jazz so if you want to make your uh, mother-in-law's food taste better or something like that (laughs) maybe maybe pump some jazz playlists in the background at dinner maybe james should play some jazz music (laughs) when he eats my cooking oh my gosh maybe (laughs) maybe that would help instead of whatever octane he's listening to (laughs) one of the other things i think that shannon would make fun of me for after i was reading your book was the different ways of consuming a beverage meaning and you can probably explain this way better than I'm about to, but basically how you use your olfactory nose of your nose to kind of reverse taste of how you've been tasting your entire life. So I'm going to let you talk about it because I will butcher it, even though you've done it many times. I've done practice. it many times and then <laughs> laughed at for doing it. But can you explain to those listeners what 
you're kind of referring to in that part of your book. Yeah, definitely. And I should say, I hope people don't laugh at you after they try it themselves, because it's definitely the moment in all of my book events where I get the kind of whoa reaction yeah. <laughs> in the room. Um, so basically, when we're smelling with our nose, it's we're always smelling through that front passageway of our nose to get molecules to reach our olfactory bulb. So that front passageway is what we call our orthonasal passageway. It's just basically saying the front of your nose. But there's a back passageway to that same olfactory bulb where our brain decodes what we're smelling that's up the back of your throat. So I kind of explain it as if you're playing a piano and you're playing the scales in one direction over and over, say you're playing up your scale over and over and over again, it's all the same notes. It sounds exactly the same. If you play that exact same scale backward, even though you're hitting the same notes just in the exact opposite order, it kind of has a different tone to it. You know, if you're going up the scales, it feels light and jolly. If you're going down, it can feel sort of ominous. And so it's kind of like playing your olfactory piano backward. Basically, you're hitting that olfactory bulb from the other side, pushing all of those aromas out the front of your nose and just seeing if you notice anything different. We do obviously have all of our olfactory receptors, you know, they're arranged in a certain way on your olfactory bulb, not like a piano keys, you know, they're not a straight line, but you are just hitting them in a different way. And often people will notice a new flavor note or something a little bit different. So what you have to do in order to get that up the back of your throat passageway is plug your nose as you take a sip. Then as you're swallowing it, you'll just exhale out that nose. So basically you're covering your orthonasal passageway as you take a sip. And as you swallow, you're forcing it up that retronasal passageway just to see when you play that olfactory bulb in reverse, if you notice anything different. There's certain styles like Hefeweizen. I think it's very obvious you get a lot more of that banana flavor up the retronasal as opposed to so much clove. Things like that, I think, are really great examples. But you, it can, you can do it with anything. Like I said, I did it with chocolate, cheese, olives on tour. So, <laughs> and, and, I'm, just... and I'm glad you mentioned the half because that's one of those styles that I tend not to gravitate towards because of the clove. And then when I mm -hmm. tried that technique, I got so much banana that I was like, oh, this is really good. It's really smooth. And I could drink this all day. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is the exact same beer that I was just telling Shannon that I'm like, I cannot drink this kind of beer, this style. And then I go ahead and try that technique and it instantly like worked. I was like, wow. Like, so it's just like you could be drinking the same exact beverage and get a totally different experience based on that sensation of your nose. Right. And it's just a different way as you kind of get desensitized as you're smelling and sipping something over and over again. It's just kind of a, a different method to shock your system into noticing what you're tasting again. Or like you said, picking up something different. So something that we don't always think of, but it's always there and available. And I think once people learn about it, uh, it's really fun and it is kind of shocking the first couple times you do it, as long as you're not forcing beer out your nose or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah exactly. And, <laughs> and I think you do some great videos with that, yeah. too, of for those listeners out there who want to kind of try this. And we're not going to be able to describe it as well of you, as you've shown on interviews. Mm -hmm. So go mm -hmm. check out Mandy Nanglish's Instagram at Drinks with Mandy. Yeah, I, I wish I had this book when I was a kid because I spent many a night at the dinner table trying to plug my nose to not taste the food that my parents were making me eat. And I did not hold my nose long enough. That was probably the problem. I still tasted it. Well, meanwhile, yeah, you're probably enhancing the flavors that you probably didn't want to taste. Exactly. So. It made it worse. I was like, oh, this was this meatloaf. Not, not worth it. 
funny. But one I'll of the things, make how to taste yeah. for kids. Yes, please no, do. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. It's kids for me when I was an adult. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I liked about the book too was it wasn't just about like I initially thought it was mostly about food, but you also tied in beverage and you made it very, very easy to grasp. And it was it was a book that I continuously wanted to go to the next chapter. And I find in a lot of books that I'm trying to read, I lose interest way too fast. But you were just exactly how you are in person. Like you made it very easy to read and easy to follow. And it's also like it reaches so many different audiences and your experiences when you're sitting across the table from most brilliant whiskey taster in the world and you're trying to like keep a straight face like it was just incredible to hear those kind of stories that a home brewer could go through and then you know a journalist and everything that you've done progressing in your career it's just insane that you've had those kind of experiences yeah and that was really important to me I wanted it to function like a textbook like you could take away lessons and things that you learned but I really didn't want it to read like a textbook so I'm so happy that's how you felt reading it because I I agree I there's all these things I want to learn but if I pick up a book and just a little too slow or a little too textbook like it's really hard for me to keep picking it up again day after day if it's just not enjoyable. So I wanted to strike that balance of you definitely walk away learning something new, but it's not a, it's not forced to like school, I guess. Yeah. I've definitely gone back to the chapter where you talk about, you know, the traveling on the plane and how things taste differently. Cause now for work, I travel more often. So I've definitely noticed, you know, how my snacks taste a little different in the air than they do on the ground. And I appreciate the love from Martha Stewart in that chapter. <laughs> And her peacocks. Yes. <laughs> My uh, favorite. Peahens. <laughs> yeah. Changing a little bit of gear for your tour. How did you come up with the concept for the tour to kind of have it interactive and not just more of a talk book signing? Like what was the whole thought process? And did you have a favorite place that you went to on Ooh, the tour? That's a good one. Obviously it was Cape Ooh. Cod. <laughs> Cape Cod was fantastic. But yeah, so I, it was really important to me. A lot of my friends, being a journalist, a lot of my friends have written books and talk about how their book tour is just them basically reading their own writing to the audience. And when you're reading, you have to be looking down. You can't even like make eye contact with the people that are listening. And I really didn't want that experience for myself. I I'm going out to meet all these people. I want to be able to feel like I can see them, see what they're, how they're reacting to the content. And to your point, it's so much easier to talk about and demonstrate a lot of these things I talk about in the book in person or in videos. So I really wanted to take that opportunity to clarify anything if anyone had read the book or to prepare them to read the book and know what I was talking about in all those situations. So I thought going through the tasting method was a pretty easy way to do that interaction, really tie it to the book, but also make it so I could yeah be making eye contact with everyone the whole time and I think I have to say my favorite location we did two tastings in Allagash's new mm. uh, barrel cellar yep. and that was a really cool experience we did two very different tastings and that's a beautiful location I had never been to Portland's before so all those things together uh it was definitely and I, I will say as far as Instagram we've been talking about a little bit Allagash was the very very first account I ever followed on Instagram so oh, it's wow. pretty full circle to you know have some events there for sure and the experience is different every time not only because you're at different locations but because you're mostly tasting or a lot of places you went had beer there's all different like everyone makes different beer everyone has a different profile and even though the ingredients might be the same the method to make it is different and that kept it I feel like fresh, like everywhere you went, it was not the same experience. It wasn't like, you know, you're going to place after place and being like, okay, here's the same, you know, chocolate or here's the same 
piece of yeah, exactly. bread that's boring but you know what i mean definitely no and you guys i think actually got a cool preview i believe we tasted the meritson that hadn't come out yet mm-hmm. from st adams with you guys so mm-hmm. it was cool we, we had these smaller events that the breweries were open to uh, same thing with allagash they let us pull straight from one of the barrels to do the tasting and things like that so I'm hoping, you know, everyone had a really great experience on these events and they start up again in March. So oh, when, when everyone comes out of their winter hibernation, <laughs> so is, I'm will, looking forward to it. Will those be on your Instagram or where can people find those if they're interested in seeing if there's something near them? Yes, they will be on howtotastebook.com. And then, yeah, I'll post them on my Instagram as well. And it's so funny you mentioned that beer because I still could not get my hands on that beer that we tried. And I was so mad. I'm like, that was so good. And I'm like, it's either really, really good or it's really good. And I'm just heightened by our experience we had at your tasting because I was like, this beer is amazing. Yeah, it was a super limited run. So I'm yeah. not I'm not surprised. I think they had an Oktoberfest event basically Wiped all it of out. it was yeah. gone. Yeah. So yeah. James a little mad he couldn't take it that in there. Yeah. I, he I, was I, gonna try to sweet talk them into I, I it, but try, it wasn't happening. I did try it was obviously not happening. <laughs> you could talk people into a lot of things. Maybe but Mandy that probably could have snuck a couple <laughs> in her trunk, but uh not so much James. Not not so much. <laughs> so one of the other reasons we wanted you to come on this show is that, or come back on the show, I should say, A, because we love you, B, because <laughs> James brewed one of your recipes and did a little tweaking and gave you some of it at that tasting, and we wanted mm-hmm. to taste it all together and hear your thoughts. And James, anything else you want to add on to that (laughs) yeah so for those who don't know mandy had brewed an imperial stout recipe that had won the gold in one of the previous american home brewers association competitions i believe was that back in 21 or 2020 that you had won that i think it was 21 because 2020 was was fully canceled and i was actually pretty upset because they poured all of our beers oh my gosh oh my gosh that's such a waste i was like at least let me come get them yeah (laughs) just send them back (laughs) yeah exactly so um yes i believe it was 2021 because yeah that was the last one i participated in book stuff but I'll be participating again this year, so we'll see. Awesome. Okay, so yeah, it was an opportunity that I had when we had first moved to our new neighborhood to kind of encourage our new neighbors to get into beer, to try and homebrew. So we had invited some of our neighbors over to help brew Mandy's recipe that was found in the Homebrewers Association magazine. And we had brewed her recipe as close as we could, but then on a tweak on that recipe, we had come by a local distillery's whiskey barrel from Sons of Liberty, and it is a single malt whiskey. And we basically took Mandy's recipe, brewed the Imperial Stout, and then once it was done fermenting, we had put it into a whiskey barrel to age for seven months. And we continued to let it age in that barrel because the flavors just weren't there yet. And then we uh, siphoned it off and bottled it up. And now we have, this is it. This is our last (laughs) bottle left from 2021. And uh, Mandy's got one bottle and uh, we have a bottle as well. So we're going to kind of go through and kind of get a live kind of look at what Mandy thinks of it. And uh, (laughs) brutal honesty. Brutal honesty. Um, I can tell you some things that I took notes on that I'm not a big fan of, that I'll do something different next time, but we'll let the Cicerone uh, here kind of guide us through how we should try this if we were trying it for the first time. 
Yeah, and I will say this has been aging gracefully since basically the summer in my fridge. So I'm taking off the tape that says "Do not drink on it right now." Okay. Um, Hopefully, nothing explodes. <laughs> yes. No, I think we're good. It's been sitting upright. I was like taking very good care of it. So she was giving it water every night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just popped it there for a second, and yeah, I wasn't. I didn't know it was a single malt whiskey, so I'm excited to try. And yeah. while you're doing that, I will share some other details about this whiskey in case it does. Do you want to share them before or after Ooh, she tastes it? I don't know. It. Mandy, what's the I best like preference? Should, tell should you go on blind? Maybe yeah, blind. Let's reverse the tables, James. Yeah. Oh, all right. I like that. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I just, yeah, I have a little sifter here. I just poured a little bit in. Um, and then, yeah. So the Do you one guys thing, have one as well? Yes, yeah, we, we okay. both have it. But the one thing I will preface, we did not, what we would do next time is we would run it through a filter to try and catch some of those. Oh, there might be little tiny, tiny oak chips in there. So just be mindful of that. Not to scare <laughs> you. Like Mindy's going to be like, <laughs> we're going to do a live uh, murder here on the uh, podcast. Please don't. I think after uh, several months sitting up, it's. I think if they're anywhere, they're at the bottom. So oh, I don't see any in my little oh, stuff right. here. We're all good. Okay. I will say the one thing, you know, we talk about the tasting method. So I am taking the appearance in. And like you said, it's a high, it's obviously high alcohol. It's um, been in the barrel for a long time. The head does not stick around Absolutely. very long. I think that's one difference that I remember from mine, maybe appearance-wise. But other than that, I think it looks almost exactly the same. Now, is that traditional for something that's been aged in an imperial stout where I, that's one of my notes of the head doesn't stick around very long? Is that just because of the alcohol content or is that something that could be improved in a later version? So I think when you're dealing with a barrel, it's very hard. You're picking up a lot of those barrel tannins and there's a lot of time for proteins to denature if you want to hold the head on something like this. I believe my recipe probably had some oats and wheat, flaked oats and wheat in, it, wheat in it, which you use to add that protein, which enhances the head even at a pretty high alcohol. Alcohol doesn't have as much impact as we at one time thought it did on head retention. It's really about that protein structure and hops interacting. But yeah, long-term in a barrel is going to be hard because there's a lot of time for that protein to denature and not create that net that then captures the CO2, which is our head on top of a beer. Okay, so... Fairly common with an aged, aged imperial yeah. stout. Okay. Yeah, once you see kind of, yeah, barrel age, you're you're knowing that it's not going to stick around. But do you remember? I'm sure, I don't know if I had oats and meat or just oats in it, this recipe, but I pretty much always use either one or the other. It was oats. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> cool, and I'm sure you guys are sniffing alongside me. It's hard, mm -hmm. you can't see me. So we're, we're all doing the little, like, distant. So we're doing, like, the distant sniff. Then we're bringing it in, bringing it a little closer. The short, very short bursts, right, Mandy? That's how, that's how you showed us how to kind of yeah, smell. The ultimate, the ultimate sniff, according to the scientists at Monell, is uh, just three short one-second sniffs, just little bursts of aroma to get to that olfactory bulb. So you can kind of, if I, if I do it a little louder, it would be like, <laughs> then move it away. Like this, a dog, this is the AMSMR <laughs> version of your book. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, should exactly. do the audio book for you. Yeah, the audio book. <laughs> definitely as far as distance sniff and getting close you really i'm getting like a lot of that vanilla off the wood and like that little bit of coconut kind of thing i i didn't know if it was a single malt if it was going to be somewhat smoky but it's not it, i'm not getting any smoke really at all is that aligning with what you guys think so do you want my honest opinion or do you want what <laughs> yeah. i know it is it's a single malt <laughs> no, so she, you're she right. knew it was a single malt. so yeah. okay so you're spot on okay 
But is, do you think it's smoky or not? I would say it's slightly smoky. I'm picking up a little smoke, but it, yeah. I think it's more the vanilla for me. Yeah, and I wonder if as I taste it, it'll taste more smoky. But yeah, from this like distance and everything, it's really, really vanilla, really coconut mm-hmm. to me, which is fun. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and do my retro nasal before we take a sip. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like on that, I mean, it's also in my mouth as well, right? So now I'm getting the aftertaste, but you definitely get more of the roast and a little bit of that like edge of smokiness. I don't, I still don't think it's very strong for being in a barrel for so long. Also, this bottle's marked November 2021, so it's had some time to mellow for sure. And again, I had made the rookie mistake of it was like pretty fresh the barrel, so I had kind of did a one hot rinse. Um, of mm-hmm. the barrel before so I think if I did it again I would just leave what was left in the barrel that alcohol in there and just let it do its thing versus doing a hot rinse I was very worried about contamination I get more of the smokiness doing that reverse nasal yeah definitely and I think it comes through a little bit in the aftertaste too something that's really nice on this is you definitely get the dark malt character I think mm-hmm. it's standing up to the barrel character sometimes when you have something that's aged for so long it will just taste like a barrel you know you don't get any yeah. of that kind of stout character and you definitely get it in this i definitely feel like you're getting those like toasty notes that roasted that little bit of like i think there's some crystal malt in here because it tastes a little bit like that pruney kind of dark candied fruit note to me so yeah i think it definitely reads as like a stout agent in a barrel rather just like than just like you know anything that could be put into a barrel and tastes so strongly in a barrel so i think that's really nice thing that amazed me the most about this beer is just how smooth it is I was expecting mm-hmm. it to be a lot more harsh. A lot of the times when we have stouts or imperial stouts that focus more on the coffee side, that bitterness comes through and that bite kind of discourages me at least from the stouts. Whereas this character in the crystal malt, as well as the vanilla kind of cuts that in half because for me, I don't get any of that bitterness really. Maybe a little on the, the back end at the, you know, at the finish, but not characteristic that I would expect for an imperial stout yeah definitely i think that little bit of wood tanning kind of on the end of the aftertaste too like you get that kind of on the roof of your mouth it enhances that little bit of bitterness in the finish but i think an imperial stout needs bitterness for balance so i think yeah that's really nice and how long would you say that you could keep something like this in a bottle like i think we've pretty much met our limit right or is this something that we could have still aged in the bottle like just kept for a couple more years or do you think you know a couple you know, three years is kind of cutting it far. I would say, so it already, obviously, it's like, I don't know how carbonated it was going into the bottle, but it's lost or mm-hmm. it's not super high carbonated right now. Uh, also, a bomber will enhance that. So I would say as long as you're okay with this level of carbonation, it could probably stay, I would say, five years. I don't think, you know, you're, you have a lot of antioxidants in there from aging it. Like you've already, it's already hit oxygen. It's not going to change mm-hmm. a lot. It's already been exposed while in the barrel. So those tend to have a longer life. You know, you're not looking for like a fresh hop character here. So all that you'll get is more of those kind of sherry-ish notes coming forward, a little bit more of that kind of figgy thing we were talking about as it ages. But as long as it's cold aged, I think you could, yeah, could hold on to it for two more years. Okay. I have some beers that I brewed in 2018 that are, wow. they're, they're losing it, but they're still doing okay. <laughs> they're hanging in there. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, and it's kind of refreshing also to have something that's lower in carbonation than what we're used to, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in America, the beers today are almost overly carbonated from what they used to be for natural carbonation. So I think it's, it's kind of nice, especially if you're someone who likes whiskeys or wine, 
it's it's a kind of a nice transition into the beer realm, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think it's a nice, it kind of enhances the fact that you're thinking of it as something high alcohol, something to sip rather than something that's equivalent to, you know, something like a Guinness that's super carbonated and mm-hmm. 4%. <laughs> it kind of enhances that characterization of it being a high alcohol kind of end of the night nightcap. I'm going to say, James, I like this better now than I did when we tasted it when you first finished it. Yeah, it, it's definitely mellowed out. I was gonna say, I'm curious if you do you feel like like kind of some tannins and smoke character have fallen out of it. I think a little bit. Yeah, I the would tannins say for sure. Mm-hmm. Because um, yeah, the reason I wasn't a big fan of this when it was first ready to be consumed was that it was. I feel like the whiskey flavor was overpowering. Like the, it was up front. The it was whiskey from the face. barrel was really Absolutely. yeah overpowering the stout. And I would and I'm not a whiskey person, and so I was just like okay. One little taster for me and I'm done with this. But I think now it's definitely mellowed out with age, which is nice. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the exact interaction, but that is one of the things. I can't think of exactly how tannins are denatured, but during aging, <laughs> they do. Like, basically, if you have one of those, like, really ripping Cabernets, you know, that will really mm-hmm. be, like, rough on your tongue, you can age it and they really soften. It's like science that they actually do completely disappear because, you mm-hmm. know, a tannin, the way it dries your palate is basically it bonds with your saliva and lifts it off of your palate. Oh. So over time with aging, they lose that character because they're denatured. After a couple of years, I'm sure, you know, any any of that that you had that was that kind of drying feeling that then is enhanced by that smokiness mm-hmm. of whiskey is going to mellow a lot. I think this, yeah, I think this is really easy to drink. I don't think it's rough on your palate at all. And I also think the, on the back end, it's a little less aggressive than it was when it was pretty young. When we mm-hmm. popped a bottle maybe a month or two after, maybe 2022, we popped a bottle and it was it still had kind of that aftertaste that you were just super dry dry mouth and you were just like mm-hmm. okay I don't know if I want to reach for that again that's totally tamed out I'm not getting too much of that right now yeah and that mouthfeel can be okay every now and then, right if you're having like a really fatty steak or something really rich maybe you want something to kind of dry your palate off but when you're just drinking it alone and have nothing to balance it that can be like you said a little taster experience and that's enough yeah yeah <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and to give a little bit more information on what the whiskey itself was. Well, why was... don't we see if Mandy can tell us what was in the whiskey? Oh, okay. Oh, man, <gasps> oh you're putting gosh. Mandy on the hot seat. <laughs> Not me. I'm usually the one to do it. Something in the whiskey. I mean, I feel like the overwhelming character I get is just like that caramel and vanilla situation. So I don't know if there might be like some additional vanilla or like marshmallow root or something, but... <sighs> I'm not, no, I'm not noticing a flavor. I don't, I, I thought, like I said, I was expecting it to be really smoky and I don't feel like that's one of the main characters that's coming through. But yeah. I'm curious. Not at know. least what they share, okay. but definitely chocolate malt, roasted barley. They have crystal 45 in it, Bisco malt, pale malt. Um, Wait, in the whiskey? Yeah. So it's yep. a single malt oh, you whiskey. you have the whole break. Okay. It's a 92 proof and mm-hmm. they ferment it for 14 days using American ale yeast it's double distilled okay. to 124 proof, but it's bottled at 92 proof. And it's charred American oak is what the barrel is. And gotcha. that's all the common information that we are given. So they are growing their own malt at this distillery? I, I don't know if they grow don't know if So basically the malt, it was a, the bill was, is, a, is a traditional stout mash yes. that they use to make the whiskey. Okay, interesting. Which is a little bit unique about this distillery, which was one of the things we loved about this distillery is they basically brewed a beer, but then turned it into whiskey. I think most of their alcohol is beer 
basically a mash that they turn into, or they distill. And that's why I was like, this would be a perfect pairing before I got my neighbors like, hey, I acquired some fresh, you know, Sons of Liberty whiskey barrels. Like, do you hear you're making a stout? Do you want to put it with it? And that, I guess, makes perfect sense that it would pair well with your imperial stout recipe. Yeah, definitely. I think because usually single malt is when all the malt comes from the same distillery. So maybe they're they're making chocolate malt out of the same yeah. base malt and things like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, that's very cool. I've never heard of anything like that. But I mean, pretty much all whiskey does start its life as beer, but uh, not so specifically as a stout beer. Usually it's just basically the cheapest malt they can get and commercial yeast. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. I've never heard of that. I, you know, I guess I'm just getting a ton of vanilla. Like you said, it was a really young barrel, not not used very much, I'm guessing. Um, right, exactly. I get a lot of that. But yeah, very cool. Yeah, and that uh, distillery is based out of Rhode Island. If you ever are in the area and want to check it out. Yeah, definitely. I'll probably be driving through. (laughs) (laughs) And they do a lot of like craft cocktails as well. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those places that uh, a local tuned us into. And Uh I just fell in love with their different, like they did a rye whiskey and they did some other crazy things that kind of got me into their space. Um, Yeah. But I'm so glad this was drinkable. I thought I was totally (laughs) expecting you to pop it open and be like, how am I going to possibly talk about this and not embarrass them on their podcast? No, it's great. I'm I'm wondering, you said you have the recipe. Do you know, is this dry dry English ale yeast or is it London ale free? English. Dry English ale. Yes. (laughs) You can smell it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it held on to a lot of its character for being in a bottle for so long. That's really, I think it came out great. What a great recipe we have, right guys? (laughs) I was going to say, well, see, this is one of those things where I'm like, I can't start my first stout that I make that I want to do something like this, put it in a whiskey barrel. I can't start with just, I don't know if the stout's good or not. So why not pick Mm -hmm. the gold medal winning Mandy's recipe and then Mm -hmm. hopefully do it justice and put it in a barrel let the barrel do its thing and not dwarf what you had in your original recipe yeah it's a great one to put in there when I was brewing it I was really trying to make sure it had some body and stuff like that I had gotten feedback on previous stouts that it was a little bit thin and I think that's a quality you really need to barrel age something if you put a thinnish stout in there it's going to come out of the barrel super thin so I think it was really a nice, a perfect match that you guys did with this barrel and this recipe. We're coming full circle here. <laughs> like not only were you on our podcast before, but now you're also trying a beer that you made back that, and that you made. Well, that that, she made than you made. <laughs> yes, seeing basically seeing that someone can replicate it's your recipe, cyclical. but not to the T. We've never tried your original goal-winning recipe, so it's kind of cool to see how you would think this beer is based on. You've also tried your beer as it was back then. So it's kind of cool to have that full circle. Yeah, To a certain degree, of course. (laughs) Well, I think that that is just a perfect conclusion to this tasting discussion episode experience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, definitely. Before we wrap it up, I know we mentioned at the top of the show that because your career has changed, your Instagram handle and your presence on social media has also changed. So where can folks find you nowadays? Yes, it's Drinks with Mandy now. You'll see a little bit more about spirits and cocktails and things like that. But still, I mean, my last post was about beer. So it's still in my DNA for sure. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Drinks with Mandy pretty much everywhere. I repost everything on TikTok. So 
Um, it's exactly the same content, but uh, yeah, and mandycan.com is my author page if you want to read some of my journalism and stuff like that, and howtotastebook.com. So it's all over the place, but uh, if you Google it, it will all pop up. <laughs> okay, and make sure to check out the upcoming tour stops that you'll be going on. Yes, we should be announcing them in the middle of next month. Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we want to say thank you so much. And we had a lot of fun and we just appreciate you taking the time to come on back. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I'm happy we, we finally worked it out and the beer. I'm so honored to be drinking your last bottle with you. It's really special. Cheers. Cheers. And in honor of Mandy, we are giving away a signed copy of her How to Taste, A Guide to Discovering Flavor and Savoring Life, signed by Mandy, as well as a special, special signature at the <laughs> Easter egg end of the book from a master Cicerone. Who may have been mentioned in this episode. And be sure to check that out for details on how to win that book on our Instagram at Podcast. And the very special code word you will need to direct message us on Double Hotbeat Podcast on Instagram is code word Mandy. Again, the code word to enter is Mandy. Yeah, and also don't forget to check out our merch. Merch. Merchandise. You can go to the link on our Instagram while you are there to access the site. And you can find our podcast merch as well as our Brew Another Day initiative. And if you're a home brewer and want to come on and share your story, send us a direct message on Instagram. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform that really helps us get new listeners just like you. Thank you for supporting the show. 